Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. It's time for the Friday live stream. Uh, I'm coming to you from a hotel in the state of Alabama here. I've got uh, Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On3 alongside me. Uh, we're going to talk a little Longhorn football uh, this afternoon. I give you the very latest on what's going on, uh, updates, uh, as well as talk a little recruiting action. Uh, Zeno Miozulo, of course, on Wednesday night committed to Longhorns. Longhorns now uh, waiting to see if, about some other uh, big-name prospects. Jerry uh, put, an in, put in an RPM pick, as well as Justin Wells, uh, the uh, 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 recruiting guy at the Inside Texas, also did the same. Fellas, uh, T-minus, I don't know, 30 hours until kickoff, kickoff 31 hours. Uh, what are we waiting to see here this afternoon? Um, you know, for me, uh, at this point, I started thinking about everybody's exhausted themselves looking at every matchup, uh, offense, defense, the different players, weaknesses, and strengths. Uh, at this point in the week, I actually start looking at um, how each team can uh, basically break tendency, do things that what, what are the things they could do that we have not seen. Uh, you know, there's going to be a change up, both of these teams are going to have something for the other for their for their opponent that we have not seen that nobody's expecting and at this point i'm trying to predict and kind of prognosticate what that could be either for texas or for alabama i think sark's gonna break out something we have not seen i think pk might have something we have not seen i know saban's gonna have something we have not seen and haven't prepared for that's the whole point something your opponent hasn't prepared for i wonder what it's gonna be so at this point that's where my mind is because uh, we've talked about all the matchups and everything else. I wonder what they're going to break out that the that we're not prepared for, nobody's prepared for. Got it. Jerry, what about you, bud? What say you? Yeah, you know, my my thought is I'm big on this environment, okay? So I've been watching more shows this morning, really paying attention to things. And I think the Alabama fans are really, really, really ready for this. I know, Bobby, you're in Birmingham, so you're not in Tuscaloosa. But everything I'm hearing sounds like the Bama fans are really fired up about this game because they haven't had a home game, home non-conference game like this since Penn State years ago. And Texas is much different than Penn State because they're going to the SEC next year. And Steve Sarkeesian's the head coach and Jeff Banks and Bo Davis and Kyle Flood and Arch Manning and all these guys uh, that, that Alabama fans know. And then it's two of the truly historical programs. Um, I think this is going to be an environment Saturday night that maybe only Jalen Catalog, Catalan, and Ad Mitchell have played in. Mm. And the how this the Texas team handles this environment, the first quarter I think is going to be huge in this game. We've talked about like Rod said all the matchups and stuff, but outside the matchups, I think this is going to be one wild Saturday night in Bryant Denny. I, I could not agree more, and I think that that we're waiting on that. Uh, Jerry and, and Rod, y'all were talking prior to this. It sounds like, uh, Jerry, you heard Greg McElroy, the former Alabama national title winning quarterback, uh, talk about something that Nick Saban did in this first weekend against uh, Middle Tennessee State last week uh, that you think could be a factor in this game. They, According to Greg McElroy on a, uh, on a podcast this morning for ESPN, um, they ran more too tight in game one than they pretty much did all last year. Hmm. Um, so I, I, I think that's going to be telling as to what Alabama – you can expect them to run some double tight against Texas. 
try to neutralize that Texas defensive line, right? Establish the run game early. Uh, get that clock running. Control that game. Yeah. Uh, let that uh, crowd rest. And then when Texas goes on offense, they're ready, they ready and fired up. It's like an older Nick Saban team right now. I think it's what we're finding. Yeah. Rod, you mentioned some things late that you thought you were thinking that uh, about what were what, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I definitely think you can get some retro saving uh, in this game, especially <laughs> with the rule changes. Jerry brings up a good point. We've ter- heard several coaches complaining about the you know the lack of uh, possessions, uh, the lack of plays that they get because of the new rule changes. You know, with that, if, if you go old saving model where you go ball control, run the rock, I mean. Look at the offensive line. Average uh, on the offensive line for them is around 339. Uh, you're talking about one of the biggest, if not the biggest, offensive line in the country right now. We know Sark has his big humans as well, uh, but Saban's got bigger humans, actually, on the offensive line. Texas got some big ones to match on the defensive front. But we could see with a, with a dual-threat quarterback, and and maybe some people don't even think he's truly a dual threat because he hasn't proven himself as a passer. But you could play some some bully ball if you're Nick Saban and keep Sark from getting the rock. All right. If you really fear Sark and what he can do in his offensive brilliance and prowess as a play caller, hell, just keep play keep away. Just keep the football long, sustained drives. Keep the rock like UTSA did early last year, that kind of stuff. We could be watching that kind of model, too. I, I agree with you, Rod. I, I think that it's real uh, interesting to see what Texas might be able to do this weekend uh, and what Saban will do in return. Uh, you mentioned the offensive and defensive line lineup, but Alabama has five stars and four stars across the board on the offensive line. Texas is a little bit more experienced. You know, I, I just wonder how much that experience on the offensive front will come into play. Jerry, we've been talking all week whether or not they're going to start with DJ Campbell or Cole Hudson at right guard. Right, right. And whether or not Hayden Connor is going to hold off Neto Umiozulu uh, on the left side. Right now, we believe, according to Inside Texas, we believe it's going to be DJ Campbell starting on the right side and Hayden Connor on the left side. Is that accurate? That's a, yeah, that's what that was what we're reporting at Inside Texas this morning, subject to change. But we expect Cole Hudson and Neto to both play. And I think obviously, um, if uh, how DJ Campbell plays early is going to dictate the rotation at guard, I really do think that. <laughs> hey, here's one from Kevin Calden. We're going to be taking y'all's questions, so please get them in. Uh, Kevin Calden, this one's rough, Rod. Do you got? Do you think we kneel the entire first quarter in an attempt to get our quarterback to the second quarter healthy for once? <laughs> the last two, whether it was Colt McCoy or Quinn Ewers, has not made it out of the first quarter. What are you thinking? Uh, and don't forget, Hudson Card finished that game on one leg pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could have had some Charles Wright uh, snaps <laughs> up in there too. Uh, yeah, that's why Sark's bringing all four quarterbacks, man. He's, I guess he's studying recent history. So he'll have contingency plans on top of contingency plans. Uh, so I wouldn't stress about it. It is bad luck. If it happens again, then we might need to all think about consulting some type of uh, – the voodoo priestess or something. Some that's something weird going on. We're gonna get another quarterback injury. What are the odds of the last three times you face Bama, you get a quarterback knocked out? I'm serious, man. We're gonna have to think about doing something. How, how, how bad would it, how bad would it be if Sark trotted Charles Wright out there for the first series just to test the mojo? <laughs> <laughs> hey, break tendencies. 
break tendency. There you go. That's how you break tendency right there. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's uh, let's go to a couple of questions. I'm going to start with this one, guys. Uh, and this comes from Edmund Lee. Uh, actually, ooh, wrong one from Edmund Lee here. He asked me what – here it is. Bobby, how is the weather there? It's absolutely gorgeous. It's in the 80s with a little bit of a breeze. There was a cool front that moved in yesterday, yesterday evening. And I'm telling you, this is football weather. Mm-hmm. It is 100% football weather. The heat is not here. Uh, we'll have to see how it all plays out. But, man, uh, it is going to be quite the weekend uh, for football in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three as well as on Texas football. This is your Friday afternoon live stream. Uh, guys, uh, we've talked all week and really all off season about this game. Uh, I want to know what y'all are thinking as far as players of the game for Texas and what has to happen for Texas to win this. Rod, what has to happen for Texas to win? Well, it's pretty obvious. Quinn Ewers has to have a spectacular performance. Uh, you go look at the history of teams that have been able to take down Nick Saban in Alabama in Tuscaloosa. There's no question that the the, the common denominator, right? but the, the commonality between most of those teams, the majority of them, is their quarterback had a standout transcendent performance. If not for them having, you know, a transcendent season, you're talking about Joe Burrow, Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel. I believe, you know, Chad, is it Chad Kelly was the other one? But he had a great, go look at his stats, though. He lit it up. He had, he had one of those just – those he was in the zone against Alabama, which is tough to do. Uh, there's no doubt, number one for me, Quinn Ewers has to have a great game. And we have to leave that game. If Texas wins it, we're going to be saying, damn, man, Quinn Ewers, even if it's not a great game, then he made plays for Texas. Because I think, honestly, the way I see this game working out, guys, and I could be wrong, I don't think either team's going to be able to run the ball consistently with a traditional running game, right, just handing off the football. All right, I think in the end, they, uh, Saban is going to force Quinn Ewers to have to beat him and make some plays. Um, and that's what's going to have to happen. And if that happens, I think Texas, they, they will, they will, I think they'll pull the upset. If Quinn Ewers don't make enough plays in clutch time, that's going to be the fourth quarter. Because you also don't beat, you don't blow out Nick Saban. You ain't going to be controlling no. the game. I don't give a damn how good the opening script is. It'll be good. It ain't going to be that good. All right, it ain't gonna be it ain't gonna be Quentin Tarantino's opening script. All right, it's, it's gonna be good, but then it's gonna end up being a fourth quarter game. And the truth is, this will be the test, guys, because I I love what Sark has done. He's building, but is this has he had a season yet where he's had a fourth quarter fourth quarter team? No, they don't play all four quarters. They don't play the fourth. They got so this is a big test for them to prove if they can win a game in the fourth quarter on the road in Tuscaloosa. That's the way it's gonna have to be. And to Rod's point, that he's totally correct. Cam Newton, uh, Joe Burrow, and Jan- Johnny Manziel led their teams to transcendent seasons. Newton and uh, Burrow won the national title, and AM went 11 and 2. So um, that's transcendent season for AM's 11 and 2. Okay. <laughs> Just to be yeah. clear, there's no national championship there. I, I think y'all missed my punchline, Bobby. Um, Ooh, I got it. <laughs> um, as far as the players of the game look, I, I obviously uh, on the offensive, I, I think Texas needs the Jalen Catalan, Catalan that the SEC saw and got used to. Uh, I really think they need that in, in this game. Um, it, it was interesting uh, listening to uh, Reese Davis. Um, they had Pete Thamel on, and he talked about the. He talked to a bunch of NFL scouts, 
And one through 30, Texas has more draftable guys than Bama. Top 30 players on the roster. That doesn't count Caleb Downs, right? Draftable guys, draft-eligible guys. Um, he said the NFL scouts had 16 names at Texas right now. And they thought 10, 11 guys could be drafted off this team. So kind of like what we've all been saying, right? Um to me, so instead of picking a player of the game, these are games where you 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 got your draftable guys. They make money in these games. Oh yeah, they do. So your guys who are supposed to be your best players have to play like NFL players in this game and draft picks. That that's what it comes down to for me. And I think that's one of the things what Sark has really done for this program. And now you got to get over the hump. He's brought pl- more playmakers in on both sides of the ball. And to me, that gives you a chance when you go on the road against a really good team. You can look down your sideline and say, he can make a play, he can make a play, he can make a play. It's not pressure on one guy to go win a game. You're not just looking at at B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson, and Xavier Worthy. Yeah. I mean, let's be clear. And there's only one running back on the field at a time. Right. That that's that's reality, and I agree with you. And I also think you look over on the defensive side of the ball. You're not just looking at Jalen Ford. Last year was just Jalen Ford, right? Yeah, realistic. I mean, I mean it really was. Jaday Barron to a certain extent, but yeah. Yeah, more more now, Rod. Hey, Rod. This is a question that I want to ask before we get to a couple uh, other ones. Do you think the refs from Sharpshooter? Do you think the refs will be calling PIs on the deep balls? Sark was really of all the things I I took from Sark about the things he was upset about that were not under his control or his team's control were the lack of the two PI calls against rice. It's almost like uh, because the ball was late or underthrown, the Mm. refs gave the rice defense a a mulligan on both of them. Do you you agree with that, Rod? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, you know, a P that was definitely contact <laughs> as uh, a former D, as a former DB. You get to, I know you're yeah. going to err on the side of caution, but you know, as I said, Hey, I'm a DB. You see, I, I, like I said, I'm not going to say it was PI. It was definitely contact before the ball got there. The definition of PI though, it fits. There you go. Um, but I think for Sark, that is I mean, considering how much he, you know, is, is fascinated with the deep ball and how important he thinks it is. Uh, and you know, even in that, Rice game, you know, you had what six deep balls, I believe, um, for them on first down, which is something I got my biggest problem with the deep ball. Uh, but yeah, you didn't get your PI calls. Remember last year in Bama, you got them. Remember last year in Bama, I forget, I mean, you got multiple pass interference calls yeah. on those Alabama DBs. Now, I don't remember, is, is this a big what was the officiating crew for the Rice game? Do we remember? Is it Big 12? I don't yeah. know. I don't, <laughs> yeah, it's Big 12, Big 12 for both, and it was Big 12 for Texas last year okay, in they, Austin against Alabama. We think it's going to be SEC, SEC uh, tomorrow in uh, right. in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, so I don't know the trend for SEC, of how they call it. I mean, it is a judgment call for the ref, but I think Texas should get – if it's so – it's a national televised, nationally televised game. I don't think officials like to be the bad guy or the imbecile or the guy that's bad at his job, especially in a social media age. So I do think they'll call it fairly if it's obvious, but that's also on the wide receiver to make it obvious. Sometimes you got to, as a wide receiver, that's a being savvy. You got to make, and I, th- I thought they made it obvious in the rice game, honestly, by the way. <laughs> so you, they, they do got to call it. That's a big part of it too. Hey, yeah. I'll, th- I'll throw a stat out for you guys too. So Texas, Alabama had 15 penalties last year in Austin. 
that they were 129 out of 131 FBS teams in penalties per game, Alabama. That was the worst under Nick Saban. That was not going to be that way this year. That's my point. If there's they, there's no way Nick Saban will have a team that undisciplined again. It just won't happen. Um, that was the most undisciplined Alabama team with penalties I've ever seen. Um, so that that's an interesting uh, part piece to this too. Is now we'll see. Uh, you would think Nick Saban's teams two years in a row will not be that way on that trend line. I mean, the year before I don't think they were great, but it's a far cry from being third to last or second to last in FBS. So if they run, if they're a more disciplined, cleaner team this year, uh, they become tougher to beat on the road. Um, right, middle, they had two versus Middle Tennessee State, by the way. Two yep. penalties, I believe, was. Yeah. I, I talking with uh, Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers of Inside Texas and on Texas football. It's our uh, Friday afternoon live stream. I'm live uh, from the state of Alabama here. Uh, just got into the hotel about uh, 30 <laughs> minutes ago, so we could do this uh, this afternoon with Rod and Jerry. Uh, guys, we're talking Alabama, taking questions from folks, uh, updating the very latest. Uh, guys, we still have not any, heard confirmation one way or the other from the two defensive backs uh, that uh, we don't know if they're going to actually suit up for the Crimson Tide on Saturday. Uh, Jalen Key uh, and Malachi Moore, those are two starters in the secondary. And if Rod, like you talked about, mm-hmm. if that's a priority for Texas and Quinn Ewers to have success, that certainly you wouldn't think could hurt, right? I mean – Unless yeah. Nick Saban says, okay, I'm just going to blitz the heck out of him because I'm exposed on the back end. I mean, I, I don't see how having two starters out couldn't help Texas. Uh, and then we just had that question about pass interference. Uh, you should be targeting, even if those guys are actually playing, they're injured. So they're day-to-day for a reason. I don't know exactly what the injuries are, but you should test them. That's part of it. So if I'm sorry, stay away from those corners as much as you can. Those are the strengths of the defense, right? Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry and Arnold. I'd attack those safeties because even Caleb Downs, he's a great player, but he's young. He's young. So there are different things you can do to kind of, you know, uh, discombobulate his process and confuse his process a little bit. Uh, and also I attack the linebackers. Ian Boyd talked about this on our uh, football theory podcast. Attack the linebackers, attack the safeties, attack those inside DBs. Because I think that's where, even with the injuries, because those guys are injured, or if they have uh, backups that are playing, or if, even if it's Caleb Downs, because right now you mentioned that Jerry, they probably got his head spinning because they're probably moving him around a lot just to try to manufacture some depth. Those are the guys you go after uh, if you're Steve Sarkeesian. And I think schematically, there are a lot of different ways you can do that to attack those guys. And by the way, what, the latest, and not that we're the Alabama training staff, right, is that Malachi Moore's more likely than Jalen Key. That's what's coming out of the Alabama world, people that cover Alabama. And Moore is the second-year starter, is that correct? And Key is the transfer from UAB, right, Uh, that came in at the midterm, I believe. So, all right, I want to say thanks to our sponsor real quick. Uh, That's Andy Ludicky at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in owning your own franchise uh, and any kind of franchise, you need someone to kind of help you go through that process and figure out which one is right for you at the right price point has the best rates, et cetera, give Andy a call at 404-973-9901 or visit him at myperfectfranchise.net. That's 404-973-9901. We appreciate Andy and his ongoing sponsorship of the Friday live stream. He's been with us for a long time. Uh, We really, truly appreciate it. 
All right, let's get to some more questions from folks. Uh, guys, Rod, I'm going to go. Uh, or actually, Travis Earl, Jerry answered this question this money, morning. But for Rod and Bobby, uh, how well does Bama wide receivers uh, fare against our secondary and vice versa? Rod, I'll go first. Look, I think that the Bama wide receivers have speed. One, only one of them is more of a technician, and that's Jermaine Burton. The other ones are flyers. I mean, they can run. Isaiah Bond primarily, uh, but they've got others. Ja'Cory Brooks. I mean, they've got guys. Um, Texas's secondary is – I don't know that they're hyper-athletic, I guess is the best way to put it, or have great speed, but they're good technicians. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see – that difference because Milrow is not known as a strong intermediate or even short game passer. He's known as a, as a guy that uses the arm over the top where people run away from you. So how do they compare? That's a interesting matchup. We haven't talked much about the Bama receivers is their strength. In my opinion is running and hitting their heads on the goalpost. Hmm. The, the strength of the Texas defense is trying to keep everything in front of him playing them playing as a unit right? Uh, intelligently. Now flip it on the other side with the Texas off our Texas offense and their wide receivers, Alabama traditionally, and Nick Saban likes to play a lot of bump and run. They like Mm -hmm. to get handsy early, uh, on wide receivers to knock them off their routes. Uh, I believe that Texas has an advantage there, but it, it could be mitigated by a lack of a, of pass blocking by Texas, because you have to be able to get into your routes. You can't just throw short stuff over time. Rod, what, what are your thoughts there? Um, uh, I'll pick up where you left off, but I'll take it from uh, the other side for Bama. Jalen Nuro, I agree with you about the receivers and about them being deep threats and his best ball kind of being his deep ball. He needs time to do that. Uh, so Texas can, you know, they can mitigate that in, in, initially. I think they will by just the pressure up front. Uh, because they do have guys like Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat that can pr- apply organic pressure. And I'm sure PK is going to bring his own if he, I think he should. Uh, you talked about this, Jerry, in the quarterback room. Third start for Jalen Milrow. Hey, man, throw it at, make it. Yes, let's see that. that we want to see those wheels spinning. We'd like to see those wheels spinning a little bit. Make him identify a different spy, play to play. Make him identify different pressures, where the pressure is coming from, play to play. Just make him think and make him process. If he can do it, great. Uh, but don't make it easy for a guy having no. his third start. This should be his toughest start, no doubt. It should be everything about it for him. It should be tough to him to acclimate and to adapt early. So, And I think that's how Texas can really help themselves and safeguard against that deep ball. They're going to be able to get their shots. I think they'll take their shots. Uh, Texas DBs, I love what you said about them being technicians. They are more technicians than these freaky X-Men athletes, uh, but that will help them against, you know, against the deep ball. Cause I think if they can get pressure, you know, he'll have to hold on to the ball to try to get through progressions. And I don't think they want Jalen Miro working through progressions either. Uh, and that's another thing too, that'll help out Texas early on. If Texas is aggressive, taking away some of those early reads for Jalen Miro, um, you can see him holding on to the ball and they don't want, they don't want him holding on to the ball. They want him either running or they want him in the pocket, getting rid of the football. He's holding on to the ball and you feel him working through progressions and he's extending the play. That's good for Texas. That's not when he's at his best. He's he's at his best when he's decisive, getting rid of football or he's running. And that's when he's, he's most of a lethal threat. And on the other side for Texas, their wide receivers versus their uh, DBs for Alabama. I just said it. I'd stay away from the corners, not stay away, but 
I'd, I'd look to attack the safeties, the linebackers, and the interior defensive backs. The corners are the strengths. Why would you go after the strengths? You can get X men. What you really want to do is early on, just real quick. You want to run empty early on, and you want to put in 11 personnel, put JT Sanders out at number one receiver close to the sideline, put the running back, whoever it is, out to the other side close to the sideline, and put X-Man inside, A.D. Mitchell inside, and, and put um, Jay Witt inside, and see if the cornerbacks travel. You need to know that early on. If they're gonna they're gonna travel them cornerbacks, or if they you know they're gonna kind of take the guy. You see that early on. If they do, then you can you can find ways to 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 manipulate matchups elsewhere. If they don't, then ha- glory hallelujah. Yeah, I mean you're, no that you're, if yeah. they don't if they, if they don't, don't that, you're great. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. Great. If, no, here's here's this is the point. If you don't, then it's Oklahoma versus Jordan Shipley in 2008. Amen. Yeah, if they just trust their inside defensive backs to match up. You go great. This is. So exactly yeah. what I want to do. Then you you go to work and you can ma- manipulate that other ways too. But so I, I I like Texas matchup versus their DBs, but attack the right DBs. Rod, I gotta say you're on a roll here, so I'm gonna send this one to you next. <laughs> oh. Tom Stamey, Texas must make Alabama respect Ooh. the Longhorn rushing game. True or false? This is good. This is good. Okay, um, I, I, I say true, but I'm gonna put a button there, a, a Kim Kardashian size button Ooh. in there. I don't believe Texas is going to be able to run the ball consistently. I think they'll pop some, but in terms of them running the ball consistently so that that can also be kind of the identity of the game plan, I don't see it happening. But what I think Sark is going to do, like I said, I'm trying to predict what's the changeup, right? What's how you break tendency. And we talked about this on football theory as well. Uh, Present power personnel packages and pivot to past principles. In the Rice game, your most explosive plays actually came out of 21 personnel. The Jonathan Brooks touchdown, the JT Sanders touchdown, that was in two back sets because you're in a power set and the defense thinks power, man, they're going to run the rock. We have to adjust. And sometimes they'll even match personnel with your power packages. And if they do that, that opens up a chance for you to manipulate one-on-one matchups on the outside. Now, Sark's got a lot of these. He's got 12 personnel. He's got the big 12 with the extra offensive linemen on the field. And he's got 21 that he likes to use, too. Last season, actually, 21 personnel was your best passing personnel package. Why? Because when Dijon and Rojo on the field, hell, you better be thinking run. And that's <laughs> easy, easy completions on the outside. Sark could present Bama with an option to say, listen, we're going to put power personnel packages on the field. If you want to match it with your personnel, then we'll just spread them out, all right? If you want to match it with your, like, heavy personnel with with your run defense, then we can spread those guys out because there will be favorable matchups for us with our wide receivers against, depending on where you put them, against your run-heavy defense. If they don't and they decide, we'll play our sub-packages against your heavy personnel, even your 6-0 line package, all right? You want to play Big 12, we'll play our our sub-defense. Run it. Then see if you can play bully ball against Alabama if they're going to give you the favorable matchups with a light, not a light box, but at least a box that literally is lighter because you got heavier mass and girth in the box than them, then run it and see if you can run it that way. So you can you can present them with an option like, hey, man, you, you want to defend us by matching personnel? Then we'll spread your out. If you don't, then we'll run it at you with our heavier personnel. I think you might see some of that. Rod. This is a guy that that knows a little bit about uh, PlayStation and uh, and Madden and those sorts of things. He's a, a big YouTuber. 
Uh, Bingle, work X in the slot. No more Brian Branch at star to take that away. You agree with that? Agree. Yeah, agree. 100%. 100%. Yeah. You put him in the slot. Don't get the corners. Like I said, I they might now they might travel. They may decide they want to shadow X Men, depending on what side of the field he's on. If they do that, that'll present other opportunities because that means they're taking their best cover guys. They're shadowing. So you mean all of the other matchups out there? And I think you may get X Men as a decoy, guys. I think one of the tendency breakers could be you know what everybody thinks we, I'm obsessed with X Men. Kind of yep. force feed the football to X Men. Saban knows that. Everybody knows that. Decoy early on, even with like I'm, I'm talking pump fakes and everything to X Men and going to other guys and featuring Ad Mitchell and Jay Witt and JT Sanders. You may get that too early on. I could see that. All right, Jerry. I want to ask you this one, bud. Uh, this game has a Jeff Banks special teams big play written all of it. Question from Mike Gosnell. Well, they didn't show anything in the pump block game against Rice last week. Nothing. That zero. And they are Saturday night. I mean, there is no doubt you're going to try to change momentum, right? You're going to try to flip a field. You're going to try to make a big play. Um, will big plays be present in the return game? Look, Texas hasn't had one go back, right? Xavier Worthy had a big punt return against Rice. Different closing speed this week. Um, but I think the punt block game, if something's going to show up, that's where I think it's going to show up. I, I think I think Alabama's punter is a two-and-a-half-step guy, essentially. Uh, some just call it a three-step guy, but um, I, I think Texas has a chance there. And I think between Banks and DeCamillis, you're going to see Texas throw everything they can at it. Rod, uh, you were a special teams guy. Anything when you played? Anything there you think you see for the Longhorns, or do you think it's a situation where both teams have so many athletes, it's going to be hard to get anything done on special teams for either side? I think there will be a big play on special teams. We just have so much time to prepare. Uh, I was actually, you know, talking to Coach Irwin about it, and I talked to um, Coach Sanders about it. I Drew, uh, Coach Drew Sanders over uh, as well, who's a high school coach in this area. And I talked about how coaches circle big games. Uh, is that indeed something they look at big games? He's like, oh, yeah, no doubt. Big games. I mean, you circle those. So there's been so much preparation done. I, I think special teams for Jeff Banks, he loves, like, splash plays on special teams. I just can't think of – you know, I can't think of a reason why he wouldn't have something special, whether it be a return, a block, even a fake in this game plan for the perfect situation. I, I think you on Texas side, I think you're definitely going to get one of those big plays. I'm just not sure which what it is, because that'll depend on the situation at the time. Yeah. Hey, oh, Bobby, you weren't on the live stream. Brandon Huey at 135 has something you should bring up. Oh, boy. Uh oh. Let me see here, Jerry. Uh oh. I will do that. Is it uh, 135 or 133? He's got two different things. 135, if Texas is plus one turnover ratio. Brandon. Oh, here's, oh that's Miguel. Raptor punt block set. I guess that's uh, Derek Williams. But yeah. you're talking about this. If Texas yeah. is plus one in turn of, turnover ratio, yeah. they will win. I think it has to be more than that to guarantee a win for sure. Yeah, but I, I definitely I'll, think that's a possibility or a portion of a win, right? I brought this up because that's what Coach Irwin, that was his number on the Tuesday night live stream. Mm -hmm. He said, if I'm a head coach and I'm playing in that game, if I could walk away plus one in the turnover ratio on the road at Bama, I feel like I have a chance to win. Yeah. And, and it's so, I think what he said is very true. You hope. You hope you get more than that. You, uh, that would be great. But if you can get, if you in that game plus one, 
you should have a chance to win in the fourth quarter because that means you weren't turning the ball over on the road. And with the new rules, guys, obviously turnovers have always been one of those top stats, top three stats you want to win in any football game. With the new rules, limiting possessions, limiting uh, plays, even more so because that extra possession now is even more valuable that you get. Oh, man. So I'm with you. I I think I'm with you on the plus one. I think Bobby's right about guaranteeing it. But you plus one, man, you're going to be right in that game in clutch time in the fourth quarter. And really, that's all you can ask. On the road in Tuscaloosa. If you're in that game in clutch time in the fourth quarter, that's last five minutes within one score, then it's go time, baby. It's winning time. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Go win the damn game. I love it. Yeah. I love it. They gotta they gotta go after it, Rod. Yep. If you don't, if you're not aggressive on the road and you're just sedentary, I mean, Texas can't come out flat. I felt like the offense, they they just were a little flat against mm-hmm. Rice, to be honest with you, in the first half. Now, whether that's because they couldn't establish the run game. Quinn Ewers got a little happy feet. I don't know for sure, uh, but they they can't afford to do that early against uh, Nick Saban. Hey, and guys, from from a uh, from from a recruiting standpoint, this stuff factors in. An aggressive play call game, an aggressive play game. If you come up short and the other team plays better, it actually helps you in recruiting. If you play like crap and you're conservative. And it just a bad product. It can hurt you in recruiting. Bottom line, because this yeah. is a showcase game in recruiting. Yep. There's two showcase games in college football tomorrow for recruiting: Nebraska, Colorado, and Texas at Alabama. That's <laughs> it. And they're 11 and six. Those kids are going to watch both of those games. Mm-hmm. All cool. right, hey guys, this one's a, one that I I like to answer too, but I'm going to bring up Rod. Uh, Rod, I feel like coaches should defer to talent and not just play safe. I think Anthony Hill should outstep David Benda and Manny Muhammad should get a lot of snaps. What are your thoughts? Wow. Um, I will say, you know, uh, Jerry brought up a great point to open the show. I mean, this game's going to be so big. It's going to be palpable. Like when you walk, when you, when you just get around it, <laughs> like you're going to be able to feel right. The magnitude of it. And I, it's for the young guys, and I, I'm, I listen. I'm ball is a baller. So if he's good, if he's good enough, he's old enough. I'm not, I'm not that guy trying to hold him back. But I do. I, I would like the coaches to at least be able to examine the young guys early on to see if the moment may be a little bit too big for some of them. All right, then that's nothing wrong with that because, like I said, as Jerry pointed out, hell, there ain't a lot of guys on this team that's been around any football moment or game that is going to be this big. It's huge, man. I'm trying to think of now the biggest game that I played in, right? Like what was the big game? Other than Texas that, OU. Right. For, but I, I don't know if I played one that was bigger than Texas OU. Rod, you know when it's going to hit these guys? When that bus drives in from Birmingham and they drive around that stadium two hours before the game and they get dropped off, it's going to hit them. Yeah. If already. It's yeah. going to hit them. That's what I'm saying. This today, this game this year actually is big, bigger than Texas OU. That's like I don't, I don't, I didn't have really those experiences as a player. So that's what I wonder about. But you're right, man. If the, Anthony Hill, he's a prodigy. I expect at one point him to be a spy. Uh, when we, you know, the game plan, which guys are going to be spying Jalen Monroe? He's an he's he's one of your top two best pass rushers. Sark already said that. Well, you definitely go need one of your top two best pass rushers. So, yeah, he needs to be out there. So, that's going to be on the coaches. They rotate a lot of guys in the rice. They're they're not going to play players they don't trust versus Alabama. That's how you lose. That's how you lose versus Alabama. 
All right, uh, going to ask this one from Colorado Longhorn. Before, before I do, I want to say uh, this is uh, the Longhorn live stream on Texas football, uh, part of InsideTexas.com. Give us a chance uh, over there to earn your business uh, with a subscription. Right now, we have a special. If you use the code OTFIT23, that's OTFIT23, it's two months for just $1 to give us a chance. Uh, Rod, Colorado Longhorns and uh, Jerry, Ewers finds the deep ball tomorrow. Baxter runs for 100-plus. Big pick late to seal the game. Texas, 27-20. What do y'all think of that? I that I don't know about the, the Baxter. Of all of those, even Texas winning, okay, I think the biggest unlikely number there is Cedric Baxter running for 100. I, I think it's more likely Texas wins 27-20 than Cedric Baxter runs for 100, or, or Quinn Ewers finds a deep ball. What, did, Texas, what do y'all think? Texas rushed for 80 last year with Bijan and Roshan. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great that's a great stat right there with Bijan and Rojo. Hey, hey somebody just played the post of the day, Ryan Nelson, <laughs> our, our, our resident Georgia high school football fan and Texas fan. If C.D. Baxter runs for 100 tomorrow, he's a first-round lock. I agree 100%. Hey, you talked about the – yeah, you talked 100%. about – 100%. Yeah, that, that would solidify him. He would already start being one of them guys. That's, and for a running back to be a first-round pick, these days, that's more of a compliment than ever. Yeah. <laughs> that means you're the elite of the elite. I'll, I'll say this. I think Quinn uses that. I don't know. What's your definition of finding the deep ball? I don't know what that is. I do believe at one point, guys, and I hate to say I think – if everything goes according to my script in my head, at one point, Nick Saban is going to flood the short to intermediate zones. He's yes. going to flood them. They're going to start flat foot reading stuff. They'll start jumping things. You talked about it, Bobby. They want to play bump and run anyway. They'll become really uber aggressive with the short to intermediate area. And not that they're going to give up the deep ball, but they're almost going to dare Texas to take their shots. That, will be, that yeah. will be their second half adjustment. Yes, and now exactly, and 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 you'll have to if you're if it starts to you have to hit on a, one or two of those. If he doesn't, his game plan will have to become really extreme in regards to the short intermediate game. Meaning, like I said, go damn empty most of the damn time, and then just start trying to find matchups. And I don't think Sark wants to do that. Uh, so I they got to hit on one one or two of those deep balls. There's no doubt. This is the test. And I I did the I went back and looked at some of the deep balls. And by the way, I'll give you a little stat here, Bobby. You'll like this. So I and I told this to um, Jerry during the uh, the QB room. I went back to track um, the deep balls and what games Texas threw the most deep balls in. I bet Bobby gets this. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, they they had nine deep balls in three games. Can you guess what three games they had the nine deep balls in? No. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State would be one, maybe. Am mm. I even close? No, Iowa State's not in the top five teams. All I don't losses, even, guys, I, I y'all y'all just go tell me it. I don't even know. All, all, all losses, Bobby. Bama, <laughs> Oklahoma State, which we all remember. Well, Oklahoma Wa- State would have been a good guess for me. I, I would have guessed that one. Washington, you had nine deep balls in those three games. Eight versus Texas Tech, and you had seven of them versus TCU. All your losses. Now. I'm not sure if that is – Sark, when, when he's in a big game, he's going to game plan and bake in a lot of deep balls. I'm not sure if that's it or if in those games he ran out of inspiration and was a little desperate and decided out of desperation 
Man, we going to the deep ball. I don't, I don't know which one it is. Um, but that you go. My point is, you will see the deep ball in this game, and you might see a lot of it in this game. That I, I want, I want to bring this one up. This is from Dodgers fan, real quick. Everyone keeps hyping Milrow, but what from what I've heard, he went eighteen of thirty-one with less than two hundred yards passing against a second-tier team. Actually, he was thirteen of eighteen hmm. uh, for seventy-two percent uh, and one hundred ninety-four yards. He averaged ten point eight yards per pass. That's that's a strong day. Mm-hmm. Um, not 10.8 yards, excuse me, 10.8 yards per completion. Okay. That's a strong day, efficient day. Uh, and really, if you can run as well as he can, that's a winning combination. Uh, that, yeah. that is absolutely a winning combination. Uh, hey, fourth and two, buddy, pal, chief, big guy uh, with a super chat. Fourth and two, game on the line. Can the offense get it against the Bama D? Uh. Oh, Rod, Rod. I didn't like that answer, buddy. Game on the line. That's like not if they they run behind Gunner Helm and AD Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Bow. (laughs) Well done, that Jerry. Well done, brother. You might need to sign off. That's your you you gotta sign off. That's that's top notch right there, brother. You're not gonna top that day. (laughs) Hey, Um, what 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 do you do there? I mean, it's gotta be some kind of option route, right? Um, yeah, do you think it'll end up being like the Seattle? Yeah, you know, do you do you throw the ball? Oh right? yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, fourth and two running. against Bama <laughs> with with an offensive. It, it depends who the offensive line is on the on the field, but yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think I I might throw it too. Yeah, I'll probably throw it. They're gonna cur- they're gonna cuddle up on on JT Sanders and make you hit either hit AD Mitchell or Xavier Worthy. I I would. I would do something with AD with Xavier Worthy in that. I really would. I think that you gotta in a game like this, guys, you have to put the ball in your best players' hands. If you can't make one guy miss and get three yards, you're not gonna win the game. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's it, Bobby. Big players. What if they they take him away? What if they like you? They're thinking, oh, they're thinking players, not plays in this moment. We taking him away. We taking your favorite target away, baby. You want to beat us with the guy you just started chemistry with? That's what I would do. You gonna beat your Nick? Beat, Nick will go. not do. Nick, hey, here's, he may you do that on the goal line. The, Time out. I'm not he, gonna let you win the game throwing to your best player. That's no Belichickian, baby. That's number one. You are gonna beat me? You are gonna be throwing to option B or C? Not option A. I'm taking that away. Taking that away. Why would I, I want to say this though, Rod? Hold on. Fourth and two at the thirty yard line or the 50-yard line is different than third and two on the goal line, or fourth and two on the goal line. That's true. On fourth and two at the 50, they're going to be doubling JT Sanders. They're going to double the guy closest to the line of scrimmage and closest to – that's my opinion. Depends on the formation. Okay. I know. Well, of course. Yeah. If they they got them inside condensed, I can bracket them. But you're right. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Now, now on the goal line, where points are involved – and the, the you can bring the safeties even further up. Don't have to worry about behind you. What about the opposite way of this, though, guys? I'm running quarterback power on, on fourth and two. If you're Al, if you're Alabama, you're running quarterback power until Texas proves they can stop it. If I've got Jalen Milrow, and I have if my offensive line has any success, I'm not letting him put it up in the air at that point in time. I'm going to be like, if I got six three two thirty, and he can't get two yards behind. My offensive line and my running back leading the and tied in leading the way, especially out of too tight set, then we're not as good as we thought we were. 
I agree, Bobby, on that one. That's yeah, I, yeah. I'm good. I, I I would make Texas stop I that agree, run. Yeah, yeah right. I agree. With that. Hey, hey, uh, this one's a good one from Bobby Miles. Uh, does Baxter or Brooks get more touches tomorrow? We're hearing that Cedric Brooks, according to Inside Texas, expected to play tomorrow. Hmm. We shall yeah. see uh, whether what happens there, but expected to play tomorrow. Uh, Jerry, uh, you think uh, Brooks or Baxter more tomorrow? Um, I think if Baxter's healthy, it's going to be more him tomorrow because I think he was on his way to having a really good game before he took the awkward fall. He was about to get going, it felt like, in that game. I thought he made good decisions with his eyes against Rice. Um, The interesting thing will be, I think Alabama's linebackers, Deontay Lawson's a really good player now, right? I mean, they, they they got some guys on the interior um, it's not going to be a tackle-breaking game for Texas at running back. I think it's a vision game, and I think Cedric Baxter's got the best vision. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Gotcha. Uh, hey, this is a, a thank you. Uh, and Rod, I'm going to put your face up on the big screen here. Uh, the addition of Rod B to this channel uh, has been priceless. The stories about his experience as a former player oh, and his X's and O's analysis are must watch. That's from Roberto wow. Weller. I wish I could hug you, Roberto. I wish I could I could hug you. I want to I want to hug you, man. I, I really do. That's how I feel. So, Roberto, if you ever see me somewhere, man. Just say I'm Roberto. I don't know who you are. I ain't got a lot of friends named Roberto, so you already considered friends, family, baby. Thank you. That's very kind. Very kind of you. That was really nice. You, you made my weekend, honestly. That's uh, if hey, Texas don't win, you made my weekend. Uh, Pivo forty four is what is Baxter status tomorrow? We just said that we expect him to play. That's a that's a report from uh, InsideTexas.com. Eric Nalene and Justin Wells putting that out. This morning and Sark in his press conference yesterday. Okay, Sark in his press conference as well. So the the there's a difference between participating and playing, right? And exactly. and I feel like I feel like Texas fans were a little concerned about that. The level to which he plays is is going to uh, be a real issue, I think, uh, for Texas guys. I I hate to ask this one because it's kind of a a negative question in some ways. But Daylight put a super chat in, so we're going to go with it. What is the worst way Texas could lose this game? Blow fourth quarter <laughs> lead. Also, my son was born this morning. Hey. Congrats. Congratulations, dude. Uh, would love a win for his birthday. Uh, how could a, how, what's the worst way Texas lose this game? I think it's by a blowout. A blowout would look bad in recruiting. And that bad on TV. And yeah. cause second questions about Sark, et cetera. Yeah. 
Yeah, from a recruiting standpoint, yeah, blowout would be bad. Um, it, it would Sark would have to start answering difficult questions. From an in-game standpoint, going in to win it, and you fumble or throw a pick, obviously. Oof. When you're right there and the heartbreak hits. Mm. Mm. Don't that's don't always the, that's always the worst. Jerry, I don't like I don't like you very much. I don't I don't even want to think. I'm down here. Guys, by the way, I'm down for those who are just joining, I'm down in uh, Birmingham already in the state of Alabama, getting ready for tomorrow. Uh, the weather here is absolutely gorgeous. It's in the 80s with a light breeze, at no, not a cloud in the sky. Uh, and for the record, uh, Birmingham's about a 45 minutes to an hour out of Tuscaloosa, not on game day, but <laughs> whenever there's no traffic, about an hour. And I'm actually uh, staying here in Birmingham tonight and going in early tomorrow What's interesting to me is I rode the I rode the uh, elevator up with uh, an Alabama fan already. Oh. They they stay far they stay forty five minutes to an hour away too because the the hotels some of the hotels in Tuscaloosa I looked it up uh, earlier this week they were going <laughs> for more than a thousand dollars a night. These are I mean I'm not talking about high end yeah uh, high end five star not, not five star hotels. <laughs> no, I don't know that they have many of those in Tuscaloosa. My point being. This Eric uh, Jerry mentioned this early. This is a big, big game. Rod talked about it. Had didn't really play in a big game as big as this, other than when he played against OU. Yep. So this is one of those rare out of conference games uh, that uh, are going to be interesting. I, I got a question here from Bobby Brown. It's all going to come down to can Quinn hit the deep ball? Yep. And I want to I want to tag it with another one, Malik. If 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 Quinn gets injured, how ready do we think he might be for a game of this magnitude? So start. Does it come down to Quinn hitting the deep ball for a win? And then let's talk about Malik and whether or not he is a guy that is ready to go in case Quinn goes down. I I actually don't think it's going to come down to Quinn hitting a deep ball. Um, I think it's going to come down to the intermediate passing game. Because that's where you're going to attack the safeties and linebackers for Alabama. I think it's going to come down to an intermediate passing game. If you get the deep ball, it's a bonus. If Sark's throwing a bunch of deep balls, Rod just said the record. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, let don't it, it doesn't need to come down to the deep ball. If Malik – this is not the environment you want a, a quarterback that's thrown, what, five passes his career to have to come into. That that's a That would be a tough ask for Malik, Arts. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, it, that's a tough ask for those guys because there's a lot going on at that point in time, um, especially if it's a tight game. I mean, maybe sometimes it's easier if you're not thinking about it. Maybe mm -hmm. sometimes that's the case, but that's not the ideal environment. You would rather have that guy come into a home game against Wyoming. Yeah, at, at Alabama with everything on the line, is that's not the ideal situation to bring a guy that hasn't played much at all in. Is um, he, hey, Rod? Do you think he's ready to go? Though at least, can he can he be serviceful if, if something happens uh, to uh, uh, to Quinn Ewers? Uh, I I think he could. I I do. I, I mean, he's got a strong arm. And speaking of the D ball, I think Sark with Malik in there would throw the D ball because it's possible that Malik's a little bit better, more efficient at throwing a D ball. That he's got a better one than Quinn Ewers. Um, so I, I, I think he actually fits Sark's. He's compatible with Sark's offense skill set wise. 
Uh, but is he ready for that big moment? As Jerry talked about, hell, I don't think anybody's going to know until that moment happens because I, because this is bigger than probably any game that I played in, and it's bigger than any game these other guys have played in too. But about Quinn Ewers and the D-ball and whether that's what the game's going to come down to, I agree with Jerry. I don't think it's going to come down to that. They will definitely have to hit on the deep ball in this game. Like I said, I, I don't know how many Sark's going to throw, uh, but at one point, if you if I, if, it, if it was me, and I Nick Saban's way more, he's way smarter than me, he's brilliant, um, especially when it comes to football, I would flood those short to intermediate areas. This is like the old, you know, the, the old belief about a bad shooter in basketball. Like they can't shoot a three-point shot. Why the hell are you racing out there to get a hand in his face? He can't shoot it. Don't even waste your time. Don't waste your effort trying to defend his three-point shot when he's inefficient at it. All right? Allocate your resources elsewhere. Same thing with Texas and a deep ball. Why the hell am I going to defend it when they can't even hit it? They can't convert it. They're one, I think, one of 17 of their last 17 deep shots in the last two games. I mean, that's – why, why am I overly concerned about it? A couple of them went off Xavier Worthy's hands. <laughs> also, part of, that's part of the equation, though. It's never one guy's fault. It's the, sometimes it's pass protection. Sometimes it's Quinn. Sometimes it's a receiver. Hell, I don't know. At that time, you can roll the dice. It might end up being all three of those at one time. My point is, why are you overly concerned about it? Even Sark said this week, don't we don't chase ghosts. I'm not going to defend something that ain't no, don't need to be defended. So at one point, Saban will flood those short intermediate areas. I guarantee it. And that's when Sark's going to take them shots, and he's, he's going to have to hit on a couple of them. I wonder if he has a tell. That he knows when Saban's going to do that a little bit. What do you think, Rod? Probably on third downs, passing downs, like a predictable passing down. He could probably predict it. Got it. Uh, I, I think the whole thing, though, centers around interior pass block. If you don't trust it, you can't call it. That's true. Well, Sark still calls it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he got trust me on that. He'll still call it, man. I'm sorry. He'll call that deep ball. He will. He does not. He gives zero. Good effort. point. He shouldn't call it. <laughs> he he not trust he all it, offensive line. Hold up. <laughs> <Yeah>. Somebody asked <laughs> me. Go ahead, Bobby. Oh, that's okay, guys. We'll say thanks to Nate Randolph. Uh, Nate's I got a question. What's up from Birmingham? He, he appears to be here as well. Uh, love the channel. Keep up the great work. Do you all know what time the team will arrive? In Birmingham, I do not know that. I know what hotel they're staying at. I'm not saying that on air. Uh, who knows what happens uh, with that kind of information. Uh, but uh, we will see what occurs. Uh, they, they are due in later today. I don't think they're here quite yet. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, they will make their way uh, and have a walkthrough, I believe, at the team hotel tonight and actually go to the, the uh, stadium uh, tomorrow around four to five hours before uh, kickoff. Uh, Rod, Jerry, uh, looking at uh, here, uh, we've got about 10, 15 more minutes before this uh, closes shop here. I want to get y'all's take on something uh, else here. Uh, how big a game is this for Steve Sarkeesian uh, to prove he belongs? I mean, we talk about all these former protégés of Nick Saban, uh, Les Lane Kiffin, uh, Jimbo Fisher, um, name another one. I mean, there's 75 of them, right, that are out there. <laughs> is this the proverbial getting the monkey off your back, proving that you belong with Saban type of, type of game for him? So he doesn't have to win the game. If you play really well and you get beat on the He road, did that last year. Yeah, he but, did that but, last year. But then you go win 10 games and you win the Big 12 championship. He don't have to win. 
if you play really well and you put a good pro, I know the fans are like, oh, that's oh, what you're not saying, whatever. <laughs> that's all. That's all I'm talking about. If you play a really good game on the road, sometimes you get beat. I mean, if you play really well on the road, you make good calls, your team's in a position to win the game, and you happen to get beat, that guy's going to get a lot of positive love saying he is the guy at Texas. He is the guy at Texas. There's no question he has this program headed in the right direction. But then you have to go win all the games after it. You know, if he gets to, if he has a really good game and they lose to a better team on their home field in a great game and you go win 10 games, you go to the Big 12 title, I think he answers the questions. But that's just me. I don't want to like if he does he have to win the game on the road where they've been 67 and two in the last 69. That's putting a lot on somebody. Um, the two coaches that have beaten them, right? Jimbo Fisher and Kirby Smart, the two are former assistants, right? Uh, Nick Saban have beaten them. I think he's 28 and two against former assistants. It does say a lot, right? If you can, you can conquer and uh, over, you know, uh, end up getting a victory against the your mentor, which is the GOAT, by the way, too. It seems to say a lot. Those guys won national titles. I mean, those two guys that found a way to beat Nick Saban, they, all, they won national titles. I will say, and I haven't went back and looked at all of it, but I know Kirby Smart was with um, Saban longer than any of his other assistants. Yes, he was with him a sure. long time, yes. right? Yes. Um, and Jimbo was with him, I don't know, what, five years, something like that. He was with him a little while, too. Yeah. Um, so they got to know Saban, right? They got to extract a lot. So they knew, you know, basically Kirby Smart – I almost beat Nick Saban in that was at 2017. National title game when they brought two off the bench. Exactly. It took them bringing the one guy that Kirby Smart didn't have a scouting report on because he didn't <laughs> know him. Because, and that's how they beat him, right? Um, but I think for Sark, I wonder how much he extracted and how much he knows about Saban in that time span. Because those two guys, they knew a lot. That's a lot of time with one man. He's going to reveal a lot to you. And I wonder if Sark got enough from Sark and uh, got enough from Saban in those, what was it, three, three years with the assistant and then the OC job. So I, that's what I wonder about him. Because this is this is big for Sark. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you about it. I think this is huge. Because there's a narrative about Sark right now. And honestly, I've talked to a lot of people about Steve Sarkeesian. Pac-12 fans about him, Washington fans, USC fans, SEC fans, Texas fans. And they're only seems to be only two different groups. There are people that are believers in Sark and believe it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time for Sark. All right. He got a little derailed at USC, but once he conquered his demons, uh, man, Sark's about to blow up. He's a championship level coach. It's just a matter of time in the right situation. And that's what he's building here in Texas. Everywhere he's gone, the, the, the program has gotten better. All right. And they're, they're on their way to achieving the ultimate prize, which is a national title. And there's another group who are like, don't y'all see his record? His record says he's an above, a slightly above average coach. He's never won double digit games. He is what he is. Y'all, y'all trying to turn him into something he's not here in Texas. He ain't going to be a championship coach. He don't win double digit games. And he's, he's around a 55% win percentage. And y'all going to find that out this year. So this year to me is the ultimate determining factor. Of whether, because each side right now could end up being right. I ain't gonna lie, even the non believers in Sark, they could end up being right. If Sark wins eight games this year, I think we'll all be like, well, eh, maybe he, he does reach his ceiling around nine, eight, nine wins. That's about where it is. But if he ends up winning the Big 12, like Jerry said, ends up, hell, if he beats Bama, good Lord. But if he ends up keeping it close, winning double digit games, the, the, the people that are on the Sark bandwagon, the believers will go, see, we told y'all it was only a matter of time. I don't know why y'all didn't see it. So that's why this year is big for Sark. 
I think you know, a lot of people that jump off that bandwagon or a lot of people that jump on that Sark bandwagon based on how they do this season. Hey, Our by team. the way, the assistants are 28 and two. Nick's 28 and two against his assistants. The only two losses were road and neutral. So Sark would Ooh. go somewhere nobody else has. Oh, that's good. Haven't beaten him at home. Nope. That's good. Oh, oh, that got me chill. I got chills. I got chills. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I'm gonna beat in Tuscaloosa tomorrow, guys. I, I don't. I didn't like that stat. I you don't like, like that, that stat, stat, Bobby? I didn't Ooh. like it. I don't like okay. that. Maybe I got Very the bad. Hey, like Brian Irwin said, it's not the miracle on ice. <laughs> it's not the miracle on ice. That's true. Keep those bad stats to yourself sometimes. But, hey, uh, we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you to our sponsor uh, on the Friday live stream. That's Andy Luke at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to get into the franchise game, want to be own, and own your own business, give Andy and his team a call, 404-973-9901, or text them or email them at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, that's Andy Ludicky at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, own your own business, uh, give Andy a shout. Uh, guys, a couple more questions here we got time for, or actually a little bit more than a couple I uh, want to get to them, and I appreciate everybody stepping in. Uh, sure. Here we go. Rod, how loud is it on the field in a uh, game like this in NFL or college? What's the loudest game you ever oh, played in? And did it – I want to say this because we had some other prior questions, Rod, that talked about how many pre-snap motion penalties can we expect from Texas? Because that's been a bugaboo, right? Yep. Given the crowd noise, a real true crowd noise game, how much does it actually affect the game, in your opinion? Uh, it definitely is going to affect the game. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, the loudest crowd, honestly, I hate to say it, man. Them Aggies get pretty loud. Them Aggies get pretty loud. in, right, Rod? Yeah, man. I ain't going to lie. I'll give the Aggies credit. They got pretty damn loud. Nebraska was, was pretty damn loud. Uh, that was a pretty loud crowd. Uh, but it definitely will affect the game. I mean, you heard Kelvin Banks talking about it when he met with the media. Communication, communication. Uh, what was off in the last game versus Rice? Our communication. How are you going to improve? How are you going to remedy the issue? Communication. Well, you know, those are nonverbal, all right, communication cues. It's about the nonverbal element for them. They got to make sure. And Brian, Coach Irwin talked about it, too. You know, he's a coach. He was like, man, they better make sure that all their checks, all their uh, the nonverbal checks, all the audibles, they got everything down that nobody's confused about it because you're going to be able to, you won't be able to talk and hear the guy right next to you. You'll have to like get close to him and whisper in his ear. That's how loud I think it's going to be at times too. So uh, I'm with you. That that's going to be big for the guys, man. That's that, by the way, that's in the secondary. That's, that's everywhere. You yelling and, and screaming uh, to your, to your the, the audibles and all the different checks and the keys to your teammate. You ain't going to be able to do it in that game. You might walk down, pat him on the butt real quick and go, Hey man, jump, get over, get over, get over. You know what I mean? Those are the kind of things you want to do in this game because I think that crowd's going to play a huge role. And by the way, Sark can take that crowd out of it too, though. That's one thing you can do. You make plays, you take the crowd out of it. The crowd's only going to make, they're only going to get loud when you give them a reason to get loud. Everybody remember how quiet it was for first half Texas versus Rice? It was quiet. They had no reason to get loud. That's part of it too. Make plays, baby. All right. Hey, this, this is this is going to be this next is going to be an interesting question for me. Um, and, and this is why what I think the game boils all down to. Um, I think that it depends on whether or not Texas gives Quinn Ewers enough time uh, to make throws. 100%. And it, 
I, I don't think Quinn Ewers will have a perfect game. You don't go from, you know, 60%, 62% against Rice to 70% against Alabama. It just, it doesn't happen. That's not how progression really works, right? But if he could be 60 to 65% against Alabama, they have a shot, right? To do that, he's going to need better pass protection overall yes. against Alabama than yes. he got against Rice. That on the surface would seem antithetical almost, you know, rice getting more pressure than Alabama. That, that would be bizarre. I agree that that would be bizarre, but that's the ask. Is it not for, for this game for Texas, Jerry? Yeah. This is what Rod and I talked about on the live stream Tuesday with coach Irwin, then on the quarterback room. I think this is a two progression game for both quarterbacks. Mm Mm-hmm. If Jalen Milrose in the pocket patting the ball in the deep ball like he did last week, that's not good for Texas. If I'm playing against Quinn and I've watched where Texas struggled, I'm like you said, you may flood those outside routes and I'm bringing the pressure up the middle. He's a pocket passing guy. He's not going to beat you with his feet. Not Alabama. That doesn't mean he can't make a nine-yard run on a third and eight. But if you've got him on the move a lot, you are winning as a defense. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, and I think Sark's got to scheme it this way. First progression, second progression, get it out. Because if you're holding the ball that long, that's probably not good on the road at Bama. That's a great point. Quinn's got to know where his outlets are. He's got to know where the fail safes are within the structure of that play and that scheme. That's going to be the key. Because you're right, he can't run. That Jalen Murrow's, his outlet will be, hey, man, I'm just going to scramble after my first or second read for Quinn. First, second, and then where's my check down? Where's my easy completion? That's got to be built into every play. Yep. Otherwise, you're right, Jerry. He's going to be holding the ball and running around, and that's that's not where Quinn's at his best. That's not what Texas wants. No. Great point. Yep. And if it's Milrow and he's sitting – because, look, Milrow throws it better from the pocket than on the move, even though he's a dual-threat guy. If he has time to just sit in the pocket and do this, that's not good for Texas, unless it's a zone and then he's going to force a bad throw. Uh, but – if you don't have pressure on him and he's getting to sit there and work, scan a field, it's probably not a good sign for your defense. I guys, I just love this talk because it's 24. Now, now wait, what time is it? It's two o'clock central. We're literally 30 hours away or 30, 28 hours away from kickoff. Um, we've been waiting for this game all, all summer. Oh yeah. All spring really pointing to it. Ever since Texas lost last year to some degree. So it's almost 365 days. Feels uh, like right. It. <laughs> uh, I just I think that uh, I think it's gonna be big uh night or afternoon in uh, Tuscaloosa. I'm heading down early tomorrow morning uh to get there to try to take in college game day is gonna be there. I mean, you know, it's it's the game of the week, right? Yeah. This yeah. is what you if you go and follow college football or play college football, these are the games that you want to be a part of. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful to see Texas play its best uh, that they've played and in, in best game they played in years. That's that's the hope. Is that likely to happen? Probably not. But <laughs> as long as they play a good game, it should be a competitive game. This is while Alabama, I think, still has more talent than Texas. It's not an outclassing of talent, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. A little bit different than what we may be have thought and seen in the past. Uh, so in that point, uh, we, we want to talk about that. The last piece is this. I'm interested to see exactly what happens with the two DBs 
from Alabama. We mentioned at the start of this uh, broadcast that uh, Alabama uh, may be without two starters. We haven't mm -hmm. uh, heard much about them this week, although Jerry said Malachi Moore, the safety, may be more likely to start and play than Jalen Key, uh, the uh, uh, starter cornerback uh, uh, that moved in from UAB last year for them. Look, I, I don't know what the answer is uh, here. I know that Texas has the people uh, to make this mm -hmm. a competitive contest. Jerry, Rod, you guys have any parting thoughts before we get going here? I wanted to read one question. Travis Earls has asked this four times in the chat. So I just want to bring it up. I know y'all talk about jumbo sets with an O with an extra tight end or lineman. Why don't we run sets with both AD and Nair on the field? Or Rod just kind of, I, I, he asked that question a lot. So I just wanted to get that question answered for him. Yeah, that's uh, good. Why no, why no Mitchell and were and Nayor on the field at the same time, Rod? Uh, that's a great, first of all, you don't take X-Men and JT Sanders off the field. If you can help it, that's part of it. Right. So those guys are going to be on the field all the time. Then that is why everybody knows you're going to be running a lot more 11 personnel. It's just because JT Sanders is going to be on the field and X-Men is on the field. That only leaves a spot for two more of the receivers out there. Um, and AD Mitchell seems to be the other number one wide receiver in SJ Witt. If you want to put Isaiah Nayor now later on in the season, you may get some of this. Um, if you want to go kind of big bodies, right? A big, a little bit of big body package, and you can put, I don't know, maybe you'll go 12 personnel out there with those guys, with you know, those guys, but then you take an X-Man off the field. I just think taking X-Man off the field on any situation, uh, Sark doesn't want to do that. And now AD Mitchell also demands that, and JT Sanders demands that. So there'll be different combinations. Sark said he's gonna rotate, which he hasn't done traditionally, actually. He said he was going to expand the rotation of wide receivers this year. Um, so I think if you give him some time, you may get some different combinations of those, maybe those big body. You like a, you must be a Tom Herman fan, right? Tom Herman like them big body wide receivers on the outside. Uh, so maybe maybe Sark will have that a package like that matchup wise, but uh, Sark won't speed on the field, man. And Isaiah Nayor's got some speed. Adrian has got some speed, but X Man. That's why X Man's his baby. He he loves what X Man brings to the offense. So X-Men and then JT Sanders is undeniable. So that's probably why you haven't seen it and maybe you won't see it. Rod, what, what is that recipe for victory, you think, for Texas? And and what's your final prediction for this game? Uh, you got to stop the run, number one. And and listen, in all of its forms, but obviously the traditional run game for Bama, you don't want them to get that going because we assume that that's, they'll get a boost from the quarterback uh, run game somehow, whether it be scrambles or design runs. So you got to stop the run. And what you want to turn Jalen Milrow is into a guy that's got to pass in predictable passing situations. You yeah. can do that on defense. That means that's what, that's where the turnovers come. Uh, that's when the sacks will come. That's where you can dial up the pressure packages. Um, I think that's going to be key. If Alabama is ahead of the chains often, we're talking about second and short, third and short. That's bad news for Texas. We need second and long and third and long. Going back to Jerry's thing, you better win on first down on defense. Um I, and also forcing turnovers. I mean, I know it's added value, but you had three of them last week. That's what they emphasize. That can be huge for Texas. Offensively, it still comes down to my opinion, I think, and it's it's about getting Quinn Ewers in the groove. He's got to have a good game. I would say even a great game. And that is connected, like you guys say, to pass protection because I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball consistently. They're not going to abandon a running game, but I think it may end up being symbolic and ceremonial for the most part to keep the balance. I think the big plays that you're going to be hunting for are going to be big plays by Quinn in the passing game. And I think Saban wants Quinn to beat him because I don't, I think Nick Saban is he's, he disbelieves <laughs> that Quinn can beat him. Um, and if those DBs aren't playing, Oh, that's even better. That would be great. 
depending on their condition. So I think it's about Quinn and it's about that offensive line and mostly about offensive line and pass protection. And if they can hold up against Alabama, they do that. They'll make it a fight in the fourth quarter. That's all you can hope for. I agree with Jerry. People go like, man, you got to expect to win. Yeah, you expect to win, but you're going to fight like hell to make it a game in the last five minutes. A one-score game in the last five minutes, and then it's winning time, baby. Then go win the game. You, you, you earned a chance to go win that game. That's what you did. You think the, you think the winning score is going to be in the 20s, 30s, or in the teens? Uh, I got it 28. I had it 28, 20. I believe 28-24 is what I had Alabama winning. I believe that was the score that I had. Um, so that's – and that's – honestly, that's probably too high. It probably is going to be a little lower. And I'm thinking might, we might end up more of a defensive struggle than we think. Jerry, thanks, Rod. Uh, yeah. Jerry, your thoughts on that? Um, offensive line has been my key the whole time for Texas. It remains that way. I think the offensive line, and it starts with communication in an environment they haven't played in. The communication pre-snap is going to be everything. Um, if, if, if they have a strong game with communication on the offensive line, it gives them a chance. Um, then you have to be able to pass protect. It, it, look, if Rod's talked about the amoeba fronts, the ghost blitzes, but Nick Saban's won six national championships and he's really, really smart. He's going to pressure Quinn up the middle. And how does Texas handle that? To your point, Bobby, he's got to have time to throw the football. Sark's got to have time for all his window dressing then to develop in routes and create his advantages. He can't create advantages if Alabama gets pressure up the middle and gets Quinn on the move. That's not the formula for Texas success. So offensive line has to play at a very high level. Um, I, I think special teams is going to play really well um, in, in this game. I think they've got some advantages there. Um, and, and then uh, defensively for me, your playmakers, there's going to be a point in time where if the Texas D-line holds up like we expect, it comes down to your playmaker is going to have its point in time in that game to where they have a chance to make a play. And when you're on the road and you're in a game like this, so many times it comes down to who made the play, who makes that play in the third quarter on third and 13, that interception, who makes the play on fourth and three in the fourth quarter. Texas defensive players, Catalan, Jalen Ford, their playmakers are going to be put in a position to make a play and they got to come through. All right, I'm going to give you guys mine. I, I wrote down two things, okay? The first is no turnovers. Mm-hmm. Texas cannot turn the ball over. Um, and I and I say that, and I, I go into this fully expecting the Texas offense to have an uneven performance. You're not going to just roll the tide, okay? So talking about – Quinn Ewers is going to get sacked, guys. It's going to happen. Yes. Texas is going to have a third and 18 in this game. Yes. Got news for you. It's coming. <laughs> they're, they're, they're good. They have a good defense, okay, in my opinion. They have good personnel. Nick Saban's a defensive coach. They're going to put you in some bad situations. How you react to that can't be throwing a pick on your, your own 30, okay? It can't be a fumble, a sack fumble, that they turn around and Marcel Darius runs it in, okay? Um you, no turnovers is, is one of them for my recipe. The other one is just this, corral Jalen Milrow. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you're going to be able to fully stop Alabama's run game. I, I just want Jalen Milrow not to look up and ha- him have 125 yards rushing. Yeah. yeah, He has 125 yards rushing, guys. Over. Long day for the Longhorns. Yeah, I agree. Okay. 
Um, you know, I I feel like you could corral Jalen Milrow and keep him away from the big plays, either in the run game or the passing game. Either one. Just keep him away from the big big passing play or from the big explosive plays. And I think Texas has a real chance, even though I fully expect the Texas offense to have an uneven performance. That's that's the recipe for me. I have one last question that I want to ask Rod um, and and really give him a, a thought on this. Yeah. And, and I, it's not something we've talked about a lot. Tempo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does, does tempo take a, a, an opposing team's crowd out of the game by chance? Or is, is that a way uh, to try to limit communication issues on your end? Uh, if you're going faster and know what's happening, what what are your thoughts on that? Because it's not something we've divulged or talked about, but it's certainly something I think Steve Sarkeesian might try. Yeah, and Sark does it, you know, sporadically, right? Situationally, you'll see them, they'll get a, a first down on a play, and then you'll see the, the team go with up-tempo. They'll go tempo at that time. Um, so I do think he, he uses it situationally, and it can help because, you know, that's that's a that's a – a tempo and that's like a practice period thing for you when you go up tempo. So everybody kind of knows exactly what the checks are, what the audibles are. Um, and I think it can help. I think it's something that Texas probably should try in this game. When I think Sark does it when he finds something that he likes and he finds a weakness specific, something that he knows the opposing team has to change personnel to, they have to change the personnel to fix a remedy or it's a, he's found like a, a loophole in the coverage. All right. And he's like, I don't want them to change it. No, no, no let's go. Cause they'll, and he's, he knows based on watching film that if you run it back, they'll pretty much kind of run the same coverage. If you run the same formation and you're like, I found a loophole, let's go, let's go, let's go. And you'll see him do it during the game and try to figure out exactly what he's trying to exploit. So you'll definitely see it um, whether they should use it, you know, in a gratuitous fashion versus Alabama um, because maybe, you know, the Alabama young DBs that they have back there because of the injuries. Uh, maybe it's something to exacerbate guys who are injured. Don't give them rest. It may be something else that you want to use in this game. You're going to need every advantage. Um, and like I said, Sark's going to try to break tendency. We just don't know exactly what it's going to be. He's going to do something that we just don't expect because he's going to do something Nick Saban doesn't expect. He knows him too well. All right. One last thing. Jesse Allman. I keep saying one last thing, but these questions are pretty good, guys. I I, got to go to them if they're good questions. Got to go. All right. I think Bama will be able to move it between the 20s, but Mm -hmm. I think Milrow will have to use his legs in the red area. Hope we are ready for that. Amen and pass the bread. (laughs) I mean, mean, that's how I see this game. I mean, I think that Milrow is going to be able to move them. You got to keep them away from getting the the 40-yard touchdown run, right? Um, and you got to keep them from, you know, throwing it to the house. But you got to make them execute in the red zone. And can Texas manage that? Or does Alabama prove effective in the red zone? That Rod, you said 28-24. That means four touchdowns. That means they're probably effective in the red zone at least three times. Yeah, you're right about that. Right. I mean, yeah. Situational football, right? Money downs and red zone. That could end up being the game in a nutshell right there for Texas, especially for Texas offense, but money, Texas offense and defense, right? Sark complained about the red zone and money downs in the rice game, something he was 
uh, you know, that he was working on emphasizing in the offseason because of last season, but for Texas defense too, money downs, red zone. So that's I'm I'm with the Jesse on that one. I could see it. And PK's got something dialed up in the red zone. Sometimes it's easier to defend offenses when there's restricted space. Defending, you know, the entire field is tough. Sometimes when you restrict that space, that's when defenses, some of them actually have an advantage. They prefer to be in the red zone with their backs up against the wall because then they tell their DBs, hey, you only have to defend, you know, this 20, 30-yard window here. You don't have to worry about certain route combinations. You know what the problem with that statement or question is? If Alabama moves the ball between the 20s, it's a low-possession game, and they control the clock, and that's not good, guys. Great point. That puts a lot of pressure on Texas to score on the road in a a low-possession game. That's a great point. It is a great point, but I would say this. Sark's never a time-of-possession guy anyways. Yeah. I mean, look, Texas – how many – Texas owned that game last week against Rice. Now, granted, they they had a long drive in the fourth quarter, but I felt like I I thought I was going to look up at that drive chart and look up at the time of possession against Rice and see Texas thirty five, Rice twenty five. I mean, Texas had they had forced five or six three and outs. Right. Surely mm-hmm. Texas would have this big disadvantage on time of possession. No, it was thirty one thirty to twenty eight thirty. Sark's not big on, on time of possession. So to your point, Jerry, even though he's going to try to, I, I think it'll hurt because they may be tired in the fourth quarter. Um, but as I'm, I'm just telling y'all, Rod, you played in a lot of football games, Jerry, God knows you've been to more football games than, than most people can think about in their lifetime scouting and whatnot. When I tell you it's beautiful football weather outside here in Birmingham, it is gorgeous. I mean, it is 80, 80-ish with a slight wind, and it feels great. Not a so cloud. Saying you're going to go watch Hoover High play tonight. <laughs> I, I am going to hit a high school game. I'm not sure which one yet. You, nice. I, may, I may call you later and ask you about that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Hey, guys, uh, I, I don't know what else to say other than thank you both. Uh, Rod Babers, yeah. Jerry Hamilton for Inside Texas uh, on Texas football. Uh, give us a try on Inside Texas if you would. Uh, right now we have a special $1.00. Uh, subscription for two months. Use the promo code OTFIT23. Make sure you pick the uh, monthly option and you'll get a uh, a $1 subscription for just two months. Uh, it's really a good deal. Uh, fellas, this time tomorrow, a lot of, lot of butterflies going uh, for the burnt orange. Uh, for Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton. Hey, and also, by the way, we appreciate everybody joining us on these Friday chats. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, Rod, you guys, y'all are great. Uh, glad y'all get the chance to share your time with Longhorn fans. Watch with us tomorrow. Watch with us. Oh, yeah, that's right. Starts at 545 with Aaron Hogan. Watch with us tomorrow on the live stream here. We'll have it live while you watch the game. We'll talk about it. Aaron Hogan, myself, Rod, Bobby will be in the second half. Come watch the game. While you're watching it, come talk to us about it. For sure. You got questions? Throw, throw them out there. We'll be answering there questions too. And then we've got the post-game show, Rod. You and I are doing that along with Drew Kelson, the former Longhorn uh, national champion. He'll be along with you. reunion every week. Hey, DB high, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rod, Jerry, y'all have a good one. I'm going to go try to find some barbecue, what they call barbecue over here. I haven't eaten lunch yet. All right, you guys have a good one. For Rod and Jerry, I'm Bobby Burton. Welcome.